Good morning, faithful listeners. You have tuned in to the P40 Ministries podcast, the one place where you can get a daily explanatory Bible reading to start your day strong. This is your host, Jen, bringing you a brand new episode out of Matthew. Hello, friends and faithful listeners. You have tuned in to the P40 Ministries podcast this morning, and I am Jen, the host of the P40 Ministries podcast, and uh, we are going to be discussing this morning Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 46. We will finish out this chapter of the Bible. I really, really like this chapter. I just love the back and forth between Jesus and the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It's very interesting to me to see how Jesus just completely um, turns around everything they're trying to do and kind of humiliates them, honestly, which was very much deserved by them because they were not great people. They were very, um, very arrogant people who made just ridiculous laws for the Jewish community and just made God's law so burdensome, basically, when it didn't have to be. And that's kind of actually what we're going to talk about today, a little bit about the law and uh, what Jesus has to say about the greatest commandment in the law. So let's read Matthew 22, 34 through 46. I will be reading, as I always do, out of the W.E.B. version. But as always, please read out of whatever version you are comfortable with. And let's go ahead and start reading. But the Pharisees, when they heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, gathered themselves together. One of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Deuteronomy 6 verse 5. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second likewise is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Leviticus 19.18 The whole law and the prophets depend on these two commandments. Now, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question, saying, What do you think of the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, Of David. He said to them, How then does David in the Spirit call him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit on my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Psalm 110, verse 1. If then David calls him Lord... How is he his son? No one was able to answer him a word. Neither did any man dare ask him any more questions from that day forward. This entire chapter has basically been the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Herodians all coming and uh, ganging up on Jesus pretty much and trying to make him look like a fool, which of course Jesus is not a fool. So he was going to make them look foolish instead, which is what he did time and time and time again. We talked about the question that the Pharisees and the Herodians had asked Jesus last time we talked about this chapter on Thursday. Then we talked about what the Sadducees had asked Jesus and uh, how he had answered them and kind of made them look ridiculous. And now it says in verse 34 that when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered themselves together. That's an interesting statement. I've said before that the Sadducees and the Pharisees were kind of like enemies in a sense. They had a lot of differing beliefs and stuff like that. For example, the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. Uh, The Pharisees had a lot of different ideas as well. And so they kind of butted heads a lot. But now the Pharisees kind of want to work with the Sadducees and vice versa to kind of take down Jesus. 
They don't like Jesus. Both of them feel humiliated by Jesus because they really don't know the scriptures the way they thought they did. And Jesus is pointing that out in front of all these people. They're also upset at Jesus's fame. Jesus, though he did not want fame, which is very clear through all of scripture, though Jesus did not want fame, he was famous because he had the miracles and he had God's word. He had the truth of the spirit. And of course, people are going to want that when you're hearing lies for so often your entire life, you're believing in lies. When you finally hear the truth, you probably want to gravitate towards that. At least most people probably want to. And so Jesus finally had the truth and his words astonished the crowds. What he had was sweet and desirable. So the crowds would flock to him to get healed and to hear his words. And probably, honestly, to to be healed more than hear his words. But Jesus took that opportunity to heal the crowds and also teach them time and time and time again. Now, it says here that the Sadducees and the Pharisees are kind of ganging up on Jesus. And one of them, a lawyer, asks Jesus a question, testing him. He says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, this was a test because if Jesus answered one specific law that might be more, uh, I don't know, I guess beneficial or something than some of the other ones, the people would get mad because the entire law was beneficial. So they wanted to see if Jesus would take the bait and, you know, decide which um, law was the best law or something like that. Now, this question was perfect to ask Jesus because he understood the law through and through and through. He was there when it was written. And so, uh, his, I mean, his father wrote the law. So yes, he knew the law inside and out. So this is absolutely not even a close to a hard question for Jesus. And he answers immediately. He says to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Deuteronomy 6 verse 5. This is the first and the greatest commandment is what Jesus says to these Pharisees here that are all gathering together to um, um, to try to make him look ridiculous. And so he answers with the most logical answer. Of course, that's the greatest law. That's what most of those laws in Leviticus have to do with is loving God and then also loving your neighbor. And Jesus continues on. He says, a second likewise is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Leviticus nineteen eighteen. He says the whole law and the prophets depend on these two commandments. Which is why Jesus continually mentions Hosea 6 verse 6, where it says that God desires love and mercy and not sacrifices. So the people were just getting it all wrong. They kind of thought God desired these elaborate sacrifices and just everything like that. But that's not what God desired at all. God desired our hearts and he still does. He desires what we can give him for real. And the only thing we really can give him is our heart. And so this is what Jesus is saying here. It's important to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Now, of course, other than Jesus, no one is able to do this perfectly. But God does see the heart. He sees where we're coming from. And as long as we have a heart towards him, he will always accept our humble heart gift to him, even though it may not always be perfect. And so uh, it says here also that Jesus says that loving your neighbor as yourself is also very important. I have seen so, so many absolutely absurd articles and female-y kind of Christianese things in books and stuff like that, that say that 
you can't love other people properly until you love yourself first. And I've, I've seen this so often. It drives me up a wall whenever I see that. Because that's just not the truth at all. And, and these are coming from Christian authors as well. I was reading a book a while back that actually said basically that same thing. It was like, you cannot, actually, I think I have the book. Let me grab that real quick. Hang on a second. Okay, I just found the book and I'm going to basically do a paraphrase of what it says here. She talks about um, this verse here, the love your neighbor as yourself. And she basically says, like, we, we think of this verse as centering around others, but it's also about us. And she says something like, you know, God is telling us to basically perform self-care and self-love and uh, to treat ourselves that way because if we nurtured our neighbor and our children and our family members the same way we care for ourselves, we wouldn't be doing them a whole lot of good sometimes. So we have to make sure we take care of ourselves so we can make sure to take care of other people the right way. Now, of course, this sounds so uh, appealing because it's very self-centered. And this book is absolutely filled with ridiculous uh, lies like this. And I don't like this kind of stuff because it sounds appealing. Who doesn't want to care for themselves, right? But when we look at the way Jesus cared for other people, let me just ask you a question. Would Jesus have said to the multitudes, sorry, guys, I have to perform self-care before I can take care of you guys? No. In fact, there were, I actually wrote something about this a while back. You know what? I'll drop a link to that uh, blog post in the bio of this podcast episode. But anyway, Jesus actually always took care of the crowds for the most part. He always took care of the crowds before he took care of himself. There are times when you see that Jesus is tired and he just wanted some time to his father and to himself and probably to rest and relax and everything like that. But he sees the multitudes and he has compassion on them. So if Jesus is not worried about his own self-care and he's thinking about these crowds of people that probably took hours, if not days, to heal them all while they're lining up, thousands and thousands of people lining up to be healed, then certainly we should be living the same exact way. We shouldn't be twisting this verse that Jesus gives us as a way to love ourselves better. But we need to be looking at this verse as a way that we can love others better. This is not a self-centered verse. And it never should be. And it shouldn't be twisted to be a self-centered verse. Because it's not. I mean, Jesus gave his life for other people. He gave his life. I don't know about you, but that's not self-care. <laughs> he literally sacrificed himself for other people. And he calls us to do the exact same thing. He calls us to put other people first and to put ourselves below other people. There's actually a verse that says that exalt other people and make yourself lesser. There's so many verses like that. I think they're, the reason there's so many verses like that is because we are terrible at doing that. I mean, let's be honest. I'm terrible at doing it. We need that constant reminder that, you know, God wants us to be humble in heart and in spirit. He wants us to love him first and love other people secondly ourselves come last after other people. And I'm sorry if that doesn't sound appealing to some of the people who are listening to this podcast, but that is very clear throughout scripture that other people come first. When Jesus says this here, he says that the whole law 
and the prophets actually hang on these two laws. I've said many times through my previous podcasts that the entire Levitical law can be summed up in three ways, which is to love God, love others, and then take care of yourselves. And so I, I'm i very passionate about that. I think that uh, God tells us very clearly in the Levitical law that we are supposed to uh, take care of other people, and we are supposed to love God. And then, yes, there are some laws about how to be clean and how not to get sick and not to eat dead animals you find on the side of the road and stuff like that. And those are just basic common sense laws about making sure that you don't get sick and your communities don't get sick and your families don't get sick. But that's secondary to to what the law really is. The law is love God and love other people. And there actually is a chapter in the Bible. I'm not sure which which book it is, but it's the same story as this one. And actually, the lawyer answers Jesus. Yes, you're right. Like It was almost like the lawyer thought about what Jesus said and was like, yeah, you're right. That is the, the basis of the entire law and the prophets. And Jesus answers that lawyer. You are not far from basically being near God is what he says to that lawyer. So we will learn about that once we get uh, to that chapter of the Bible. But uh, it doesn't, Matthew here does not mention what the lawyer says. But after this, it says, now um, the Pharisees were all gathered together in verse 41. Jesus ends up asking them a question. So they're probably standing around thinking of another question that they can ask Jesus to try to trap him in his words. And Jesus ends up breaking the ice and he asks them a question first. And he says, what do you think of the Christ? Whose son is he? And they say to him, well, he's David's son. You know, the Jewish people back then actually often called Jesus son of David. That was their terminology for the Messiah. And so Jesus says to the Pharisees, he says, How then does David in the spirit call the Messiah Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, sit on my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. And that is from Psalm 110 verse 1. So Jesus asks them, he says, if then David calls the Messiah Lord, how is the Messiah David's son? And so the Pharisees could not answer that. It says no one was able to answer him a word. Neither did any man dare ask him any more questions from that day forward. So they learned. They're like, "Uh oh, this guy is really smart. Jesus is smart. Let's not ask him any more questions anymore because he's going to make us look foolish when we're trying to make him look foolish. But we can't do that. So we're not going to ask him any more questions. So they resorted to violence, which is what we're going to learn about next in the coming chapters. But before uh, I end this, I want to conclude with what Jesus is talking about here when he asks the Pharisees this question. He basically is telling them to admit that the Messiah is God's son. They were unwilling to admit that. They didn't want to admit that. And they didn't remember that Jesus was actually the son of David. Uh, his, his lineage was from David. We will learn about that in the Old Testament. We're not quite there yet, but basically uh, they're not admitting, firstly, that Jesus is actually the son of David. And they're certainly not going to admit that Jesus was the Son of God, even though he was. But David here in Psalm 110 
was talking about the Messiah when he said, the Lord said to my Lord. So when Jesus claims this verse, he's telling the Pharisees, why would David, why would King David call the Messiah Lord if the Messiah is David's son? He wouldn't. He would call him my son or something like that. He wouldn't call him Lord. It was because David was acknowledging that the Messiah was actually God's son. And so Jesus mentions that to the Pharisees. They don't like that. They leave. They decide not to ever ask Jesus another question at that point, And they resort to violence. So we'll talk more about um, the next coming chapters here on Thursday. We'll talk about, Psal- or I'm sorry, not Psalms, but Matthew 23 on Thursday. So join me then at 6 a.m. But friends and faithful listeners, thank you for tuning in this morning. God bless and happy listening.